0: Church! How's everybody doing? You guys are a lot, man. You guys brought it during worship, man. I'm telling you. Rock on. All right. Hand to yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, I'm Pastor Cameron. I'm the youth pastor here at Victory Church, uh, grades 6 through 12, and absolutely love it. And uh, we meet on... Uh, Sunday afternoons from 4 to 7, and then Wednesdays we split high school and middle school up. Uh, high school meets in the youth room, and the middle school meets in the prayer room. So if you have a middle school or a high school, we would love, uh, I would love to pastor them. So come hang out with us. So another thing I want to say is we still have 400 houses that haven't been uh, remodeled or or, uh, or dealt with uh, down at uh, Wallace. Wallace. There we go. So March 9th if you have tools or you, you got a willing uh, heart come join us it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, I want to plug the encounter. How many got, let me got me here men grunt real quick. Let me one more time, one more time. Oh, all right. If you are a man, I want I I really I want to urge you to sign up for encounter. Now, this is not a men's retreat. This is an encounter with God. I believe that this is going to be 7 is 70, 70 two hours together that we're, we're going to encounter God. So if you haven't signed up, go ahead and sign up right now. You don't have to pay, but it's $99. And if you have trouble paying that, please come see me or uh, Pastor David. Um, we don't want money to be a hindrance from you going to uh, the encounter. Uh, I believe that that Satan has targeted men specifically because uh, T.D. Jakes actually said, if, if I can get out, you know, that Satan if Satan can get out, The head of the household, he he can actually capture the whole household. So I believe that men are under attack. We're not going to beat you up. We've been planning this for about four or five months right now, and it is going to be amazing. So go ahead and sign up after service, okay? All right, so I'm going to do what I came to do, preach. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I come before you, and I, I ask that you hide me behind you, I ask that you be glorified, and I, I pray that people would see you and not me, and God, I pray that you would help us to encounter you today, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I am honored to speak uh, in Pastor Mitch's stead. I count it as an honor to be under such an amazing, amazing pastor. Give it up for our pastor, man. He's, he's on his way back. Uh, From Nicaragua, Uh, he's taken over a leadership position down there and and, uh, he's going to be going back frequently and we're just really excited about what he's doing down there, but we will get him back around six o'clock this afternoon. Looking forward to hearing what God has done through him in Nicaragua. So tonight or this afternoon, we're going to be talking about uh, authority unhindered, all right? So, question, how many of you have ever unplugged or unclogged a toilet or a sink or a tub how many of you guys raise your hand all right <laughs> there's a lot of people that have done this so in our old house we just got a new house uh, back in november at our old house we uh, i actually unclogged our 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 bath probably at least once or twice a month y'all it got clogged a lot and i had permission from lindy to tell this story and she's shaking her head, and I'm going to tell it anyway, because there's probably a, women that do, do this too, okay? <laughs> so she would scrub her hair and then have hair on her hands and then just decorate the wall with it. And so I come in there, I'm like, this is, no, I don't like it. So I'm taking the water, and I'm throwing it on the wall, and it's coming down, and when it comes down, guess where it goes? It goes in the drain. And guess what? We get a, a big old hairball, like a beast that is living underneath the sink, <laughs> but and it's pretty disgusting. I'm I, you know about once or twice a month I'm having to get the screwdriver out, get the get the top off the sink or or the tub, and I'm reaching down with my gloves, and it stinks, it smells. There's there's shampoo, there's and it's all gunked up, and you pull out, and it looks like it's alive. <laughs> Uh, and, and then, of course, I drop it in the toilet and flush and stuff. So uh, that was kind of like a sermon illustration that I wanted you guys to think about going into this. Because some of us, we're living a clogged lifestyle. See, the Holy Spirit and God has, has made us to live a life free of clogs and to, to operate in the authority of Christ. Because authority... Is given to us through Jesus Christ, but if if we're not living and we don't have a lifestyle of authority in our life, there's something missing. There's something clogging it up, and today we're gonna be talking about that, okay? So, uh, let's see. We were created as a vessel, a pipe through which the authority of God can flow through. If the authority of God is not flowing in us and through us, there's a problem. Um, So let's talk about six things Six things that hinder the flow of authority in the life of a believer. All right, number one is pretty obvious. It's sin, okay? So I'm actually gonna be talking about unrepentant sin because all of us sin, but we're talking about unrepentant sin, sin that we allow into our lives, but we don't turn the opposite way from it. So uh, sin separates us from God. In Isaiah 59 too, it says, it's your sin that have cut, you off from god because of your sin he has turned away and will not listen anymore so I'll, you know pastor's been talking about for this these past two weeks about satan has a legal right to be here on earth and uh but he has no power over jesus now why does he have no power over jesus let me hear from you because what no sin in him there we go awesome good job all right, so John 14, 30, says, I don't have much time. This is Jesus talking. He says, I don't have much time to talk to you because the ruler of this world, which is Satan, approaches. The next statement is, he says, he has no power over me because Jesus lived a sinless life. So when we operate and live and move in, in our identity in Christ, Satan can't get that wedge in that door in our life. Okay, let's go to Acts 17, 28 it says for in him we live and we move and exist as some of your poets have said we are his offspring so we have the dna of christ living on the inside of us right and so we should be walking in the anointing all right satan has no power over jesus and so since we're an offspring of christ guess what he has no power over us isn't that awesome ah i'm excited about it uh, so if we go through life sinning without repenting, we voluntarily give our authority away as a believer and the enemy comes in and completely destroys us, okay? So how many of you guys had an umbrella today that you brought with you, okay? How many guys have used an umbrella this weekend? I'm pretty sure you have. It's been, it's just insane how this weather is. It's 72 today, it's crazy, and it's raining. So when we walk through life, we have to carry an umbrella a spiritual umbrella, which is Jesus Christ, and that's the covering of, of the Holy Spirit. And so whenever we walk out of that anointing and the covering and relationship of Jesus, the rain, which is what the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy us, he will, he will drench us, he will destroy us, but if we stay in that, that covering of the Holy Spirit, Satan cannot touch us, okay? Amen? But if we confess our sins, repent, and come back into fellowship with him, we can walk in authority that has been freely given to us. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then James five sixteen says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power to produce wonderful results. So let's talk about two things we can take away from James five sixteen. Number one is there is healing through confessing sin to one another. This scripture has nothing to do with God. It's talking about confessing sin to one another. Now whether that be confessing sin to somebody you've hurt or confessing sin to a mentor or somebody that. Hey, man, I'm struggling with this sin right here, and I just need some help. I, I just need to get this off my chest. There is actual healing. How many of you guys have seen that in your life? I've, I've experienced healing that comes from confessing and getting things out in the open, okay? Because the enemy wants you to keep all that stuff stuffed inside, right? And then the second one is this fruit, I'm sorry, the power is only given to what? The righteous, And it produces wonderful results, okay? So if you're not in right standing with God, if you're living in unrepentant sin, guess what? You're not going to be producing wonderful wonderful results, okay? So repentance is a requirement, not a suggestion. I, I, I think churches today, not our church, but the church as a whole is getting away from repentance. It's more about grace, and it's not about walking away from your sin. So repentance is a requirement, not a suggestion for believers. Matthew 4, 17 says, from then on Jesus began to preach, 'Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 3, 8, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Now this last one uh, is, is in a NIV. It says, produce fruit. Now, what is that right there in English language? It's a verb. When you say produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So we have to, there's an action that we have to do in repenting and turning away from our old lifestyle. If there's no fruit in your life as a believer, maybe there hasn't been a de- definitive decision of repentance in our life. Maybe we need to examine our, our hearts say, God, have I had a true encounter with you? And I really need your Grace, I need your grace to empower me to repent of my lifestyle. Um, and this fruit may not come all at one time, okay? It may take years, it may take months for this fruit to come out, but there is a dissatisfaction in the lifestyle you used to live than you are right now. Amen? So I've, I've come in contact with a lot of people who have lived a crazy lifestyle drugs, sex, all this different stuff. And then they come to Jesus and they're like, man, life sucks. I hate it. I'm like, why? Because I feel bad when I do stuff. I didn't feel bad when I, when I did it before when I came to Christ. Now I feel so horrible. And I'm like, that's a blessing from God. If you feel bad when you're doing things, that's the Holy Spirit being dissatisfied with the, with the lifestyle that you're in. Okay? And that's a good thing. It's almost like an alarm that goes off inside of you saying, "Ugh, oh, don't go off the edge. It's, the edge is right there. Don't you, don't you go there there 's a dissatisfaction with the lifestyle that you 're in. Um, I want to ask a question how many of you guys do you guys know how many times repentance is is, is said in the bible thirty six man, you were here first service one hundred and six somebody said five hundred i 'm like well it 's one hundred and six so if you think about like God is really enforcing repentance there's a there's a need for the body of Christ to look at the sin that they were involved in and determine, say, I do not need to be involved with this sin anymore, I have to walk away. I gotta walk away from the lifestyle, I gotta walk away from the people, I've gotta walk away from the things. So there is a need for repentance and, that, and repentance could be that hair clog that's, that's causing you not to walk in the authority of Christ. So number two is a big one, pride, pride. How I many you guys know Samson? You guys know Samson in the Bible? all right not your dog not your little chihuahua <laughs> uh samson in the bible he was a nazirite uh dedicated to god at birth and god told his parents uh that he was going to be he's going to be a, a a judge for israel basically a superhero for I- for the israelites to free them from slavery so samson was not allowed to touch a dead body not allowed to drink alcohol touch grapes shave his head and marry a philistine woman guess what he did them all (laughs) all right uh long story short he kind of you know broke all the commandments from god slowly pride started creeping into his life he lost it he lost his strength uh he lost his eyeballs and eventually he lost the chick he lost the girl which he shouldn't have been delilah within in the first place so um wrong relationships can completely destroy a person and if Samson could speak, could stay right here, he said, he would say, Absolutely, Delilah was his downfall. And the people that you have in your life could be your downfall if you allow them. So growing up, my mom, you know, she would see people that I would date. I dated multiple girls, you know, and she would meet them. And of course, she, mama, you gotta pray in mama. There's an alarm that goes off in mama, and she always says, There's there's a red flag, you don't have. leave her alone don't take her out again and and of course you know the holy spirit's already dealing with me and i'm i'm thinking my pride needs to have a girl on my on my on my arm to feel significant but then i have mama over here saying she's trouble get rid of her not get rid of her that sounds really bad (laughs) leave her at home and you know I, i had the choice to say you know what i need to disconnect myself with this girl and i'm from i'm so thankful for a praying mom and i 'm so thankful that I made the decision to cut off toxic relationships and and relationships that that were contrary to where I was going in my spiritual walk with Christ because I see these particular ladies now and they are totally not following God at all they've been divorced've they been all this stuff and so i 'm like god I could if i didn't make that definitive decision to cut off these girls from my life, I could have never had the princess and queen that I have today that has furthered my relationship with Jesus. Oh yeah, say it. She is the best thing that has ever happened to me besides Jesus Christ. Mm. I could go on and preach a sermon for that. Um, what can we learn about Samson's story is number one, arrogance is always born out of insecurity. Okay? When we lose sight of our identity in God, which is Christ most of us look to pride to fill that void. We all have a void in our lives, and sometimes we try to fill that void with the pride of life, okay? Um, So Samson was probably comparing his life to other people of his age, and certain things that his friends or his siblings were involved in, he, God had set him apart for a specific purpose, and he wasn't supposed to be involved in certain things and so some of us we compare our lives with other people and it gets us into trouble and certain things even Christians that we're comparing our lifestyles to we're like oh I want to be with that that person on Instagram looks like they have so much fun they go out every Friday night they look like they're smiling in every picture and you don't see the turmoil that they go through every night you don't see them you know, passed out drunk all over the floor, it up all over themselves, or, or overdosing and being rushed to the hospital. The only thing you see is that highlight reel of Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. It's very rare that you see a real photo or a real video of people on Instagram portraying their life. They always want to project a highlight reel. You got to see the you know, NBA cuts and NBA uh, highlight reels of the dunks and all this stuff. You don't see the sweat and, and tears that, that players get to a point where they can do those certain things, okay? So some of us, we're comparing our lives to other people when we're not even supposed to be like them and we want to be like them so bad, okay? And it gets us into trouble. So when we compare ourselves to others, it leads us into deception, in galatians 6 4 it he, he, paul speaks about this perfectly he says pay careful attention to your own work stay in your own lane for when you get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anybody else okay there's no need to do that pride is a silent killer and strip samson of all of god of the god-given authority that he was supposed to have um he was meant to be a superhero for the children of Israel. And he actually ended up being a superhero at the very end of his life. You guys know the story. He was blind, had his eyes gouged out and he was between two pillars. And he said, God, I repent of my sin. I want, I want one last strength to just to totally destroy my enemies. So he, took, he stood between two pillars and God gave him the strength. God gave him the strength to totally destroy those pillars and it came crashing down on his enemies. But at the same time, he lost his life as well. How many of you guys have seen Avengers, the the latest one? It stinks. I hate it. I could, I felt like I wasted my money because <laughs> you, you did. It has a really bad ending. It's sad, kind of like Samson's life at in, in, in the end. But he he became a superhero. He was Hulk at the end of his lifetime. But it cost him his life. Okay, all right. So to, just go to Judges sixteen twenty and twenty one. It says, "Then she cried out." which is Delilah, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do. Now, you, you guys think about this. I will do as before and shake myself free. So you, you see where his source of strength is. He thinks, well, I got this all in control. I don't have to depend on God for my strength. In he, he, the next verse, it says, but he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Some of us, we're living life. and We don't even realize that we're living outside of God's. We don't even realize that we're living a life full of clogged arteries and clogged sinks and, and clog, our lives are so clogged. We don't realize we're living life without God, okay? So the Philistine captured him and gouged his eyes out. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Man, that stinks, So pride is the hidden cancer that gnaws at your insides. And its hiddenness is exactly what makes it so lethal. See, the enemy doesn't like to portray himself as, you know, the big red dude that has the horns and stuff. He's going to make it so hard for you to detect him, and he's going to creep into your life in certain decisions that you make in your everyday life. And then surprise, I'm here, and I've just totally destroyed your family. I've totally destroyed your life. And sometimes you don't even realize pride is in your life until it's too late. Okay? And Samson, it was too late. When We, we never realize how great we are until, aren't, until we're sized up against something greater than ourselves. And Samson didn't realize how powerless he was until his identity was stripped from him. Okay? Also, he didn't realize pride had gripped him until it was too late. So if we put our identity in anything other than Christ, guess what? Pride's going to strip it. God's going to strip that, that identity. If we don't have our identity in Christ God's going to be coming after that. In James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, okay? Romans 12, 3, it says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I have given each of this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So I, I like, Reading this and doing this sermon, I had to evaluate myself as well. I don't care if I've been a Christian 15, 20 years. I still have to stay in this state of humbleness. God, work inside of me. God has been showing me things lately that I've read over and over and over again, but then there's new revelations that God has in me. And you know what? When we read the word of God, we always have to open up our hearts saying, God, this is not just for some so-and-so. Oh man, they, need, they really need to hear this sermon. Oh, they really need to hear this verse. No, you know what? You need to hear this verse. You need to hear this verse. Because if it wasn't for the for the grace of God, we would all be in the same situation, struggling with the same sins, Okay. So we need to have an honest look at ourselves and don't think of us as better than anybody else. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of pride in your life where you don't, there's a blind side. Everybody has a blind side. Me and uh, Mira were talking the other day. There's certain things in my life that I don't see that are in my blind side you know, of, of struggles that I have. And so we all have to take, and, and, and it, having a spiritual mentor is the best thing you could ever do because they see your blind side. They have your best interest at heart they 're going to tell you the real things that you really don't want to hear, and it 's going to mess with your pride, okay, but it 's a great thing, okay so i 'm going to open up my life a little bit. I argue with Lindy sometimes uh, <laughs> i, I don 't even realize when we start arguing, which we don 't really do that any hardly anymore, but when we do we it 's knock out, drag out, fight it's not not really but we get into the middle of the argument and sometimes I forget why are we arguing in the first place and I start making up stuff just to prove my point and I feel like, oh, men if you argue with a girl, you're you bringing a knife to a gunfight. They are way more advanced mentally, way more advanced and they will t- tear you to pieces, make you feel about this big and you don't even know how you got there. All right, so... <laughs> So I'm just telling you, sometimes I, I pull up my, and sometimes I argue with Lindy. I don't even, I'm like, and I'm trying to make a point, even though I know it's wrong, but I want to prove myself right because men don't like to look weak. Men don't like to look bad. Like, I'm just, I'm just being honest. So sometimes, you know, after an argument, I have to go back and like, babe, sorry I said that. You were Right. And I always say, as usual. (laughs) So learn to kind of break down those boundaries of pride and let the Holy Spirit work through your spouse, work through friends around you to tell you things that you know you probably need to hear and get that thing unclogged so the Holy Spirit can flow through you and in you, okay? All right. Um, If I'm a prideful person, it's gonna be difficult to submit to God's authority and obedience uh, to his ways. So let's go back to repentance, Pride and repentance kind of go hand in hand. Um, if we are living a life of pride, we will see no need to repent from our sins because we can't see a need for our Savior. Think about that, okay? Also, pride, prideful people have a hard time submitting to other types of authority in their life placed by God, whether it be spiritual authority, you know, uh, pastors, church leaders, uh, all that stuff, and also job authority, some of you guys are some interesting employees. Okay, your boss says, now, "I'm just going." I had a bad experience five years ago with a boss, and every boss has it out to has it out to get me. Okay, no, you know what? We, me and Mira were talking about this past week. The very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven was him thinking that he can run heaven better than God. So if If there's spiritual authority that's placed in your life and you're thinking, man, I could run that so much better, guess what? Pride is kicking in. You need to watch that, okay? That goes for your job. That goes for church. That goes for anything that you're in. If if there's God-given authority in your life, you need to check yourself. If you're thinking you all can run things so much better, God promotes, don't promote yourself, okay? All right? And then government authority, this is a big one. If you just go on Facebook for five minutes, you can find some crazy stuff. Um, if we spend more time praying for our government and president rather than complaining or trying to prove our point on social media, our world will be a better place, okay? If we if we have a point that we need to make, don't make it through Facebook. Make it in person and don't try to, to ruin our relationship. I found, I don't post anything political on my page, like ever, because I've seen how... Nobody will change the way they think politically by one Facebook post, okay? And it, who cares? As long as Jesus is Lord, that's the only thing that really matters. And I know recently, I've wanted to post some things in my mind, my pride got it I like, you know, I wanted to post this, but the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. Because, and I, he made me aware that people are struggling with the same thing. And if you post that, that's gonna make them feel like this big. And you're gonna ruin a relationship with that person okay and so some of us there's been god-given relationships that that have been uh, ordained from him that have been given to you and if you step out in pride you could ruin that relationship there can, you can say some things that you can never take back okay how many of you guys have said something in pride and it's totally ruined a relationship okay so spiritual pride can actually creep in just as easily all right? So this is kind of, Christ- this goes along with Christians. Self-righteousness, pharisaical, judgmentalism. If you guys know what, that's kind of a long word. It's basically pointing out fault- flaws of other people publicly. All right? Thinking that you're better and when the- you're the one struggling with the same exact sin. All right? We watching out for that. Um, more about upholding law than a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's all about a relationship relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, and then thinking that you're better than others spiritually or cleaner than other other people guess what our our uh our works are as filthy rags our works are as filthy rags jesus came to totally destroy sin in our life so once he's forgiven us we're just as clean as jesus is there's no like hey look what i did jesus is like man put that nasty thing away (laughs) okay flaunting how much you know about scripture but yet not operating in the love of christ you may know every scripture in the Bible, but if you're not operating in love, all that is completely worthless, okay? Number three, ignorance slash not memorizing the scripture, all right? When we do not memorize scripture, we go into battle with no defense or offense, like bringing a knife to a gunfight, like battling with Lindy in an argument. <laughs> I'm gonna lose, okay? If you're not memorizing scripture, you're gonna lose with that battle with Satan, Okay? If we do not have scripture to battle with, we have no authority on which we can stand when the enemy attacks. We have no authority. We have nothing underneath us that keeps us stable. In Joshua 1.8, it says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it and night day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. The last part, it says, Only then, when you memorize scripture, will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. All right? So Hosea 4, 6. This is, people are, my people are destroyed because they do not know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priest. Since you've forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. Whew. Man, Hosea was tough, man. Whew. So when Jesus was tempted, how many of you guys know Jesus' response every time Satan came against him in Matthew uh, 4? You remember what he said? With everything he said, it is He didn't sit there and debate for like hours with Satan. He said, hold up, it's written, shut your mouth. There was no, there was no debating. He said, it is written, shut your mouth. It's it's written. But think about this. Jesus spent hours and hours and days. I mean, Mary and Joseph couldn't even find Joseph. He was a missing child because he was sitting in the, in the temple learning and memorizing scripture, Why? Because he knew that if he didn't memorize Scripture, that if he didn't dig into the Word of God, Satan and mankind would be completely destroyed and we would all be doomed if he didn't memorize Scripture. Okay? So I would say your soul resides on you memorizing Scripture. Okay? Uh, You can't avoid the birds that fly over your head, but you can't avoid them making a nest in your hair. You can't avoid temptations that come your way, but you can't avoid... The, the thoughts that meditate in your actions okay we 're all tempted every single day we have multiple temptations that come at us all day long, all right, but we can counteract those with the Word of God to the point where it doesn 't implant in our mind that bird doesn 't nest in our head, and we can battle it with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God. so how essential is god 's word in our lives let 's go to psalms one thirty eight two it says, "I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your holy name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word listen to this above your name so the word of God is exalted above his, only, his, his name that's how essential the word of God should be in our lives okay we should be using the word of God just as much as we use the name of Jesus amen that just came That's free y'all thank you Josh Number four, not having a lifestyle of prayer, praying in the spirit, okay? This is another thing that that could be clogging up the authority of a believer. I truly believe that the reason why we're seeing miracles here on Sunday morning and in the church, lately here at Victory Church, is because we have a lifestyle and a culture of prayer uh, here at Victory Church. Our pastor is all about prayer, If you don't come on Sunday nights at six o'clock, I really urge you to. I'm telling you, it's it's amazing. I'm actually gonna be, uh, it's at the same time that we're meeting at Victory Youth. We're gonna probably at least once a month come in here as the youth and start praying, uh, you know, for an hour, okay? Because it's very essential, okay? So our services at Victory Church never begin without seeking the face of the Father, okay? There's people right now, that are in this this church that are praying for you guys right now. That's how essential prayer is. Uh, Victory Kids never never starts a service without prayer. Victory Youth never starts a prayer uh, service without prayer. These are some of my youth leaders right there. We meet at three thirty. We're seeking the face of God because I don't want to operate on my own knowledge and understanding. I want God to fall. I want God to. I want. I want to experience God. I want kids to experience God, not me. Okay, because God is the everlasting he he has an everlasting print on our lives not me okay so uh the only way that you will operate in your authority as a believer is if you create a lifestyle of prayer in your own personal life and in your home now yesterday i was playing with abel and lindy had to work eight like an 8 hour she had a big huge event uh, she works for it cosmetics plugging it cosmetics woohoo um, and so i had Avelyn all day all right and it kids it's tough. <laughs> and I'm play- she wants to play dollhouse. I hate playing dollhouse, y'all. Cuz I have to be Ken. <laughs> I hate being Ken. And I can't just be Ken and just sit Ken on, you know, you have to speak like Ken. And if I speak the wrong tone of voice, "Daddy, no, that's not right." And so for some reason, like I, I spoke like and I'm literally like I'm laying down like this playing like okay like and so she started in her own world like doing her own dialogue and stuff i was like sweet i can do something i'm free and and the holy spirit's like i want you to pray and i said okay so i started praying about the service and i started praying in the session and then she's daddy what are you doing i said i'm just praying the spirit she's oh oh okay and it wasn't a surprise because we have a lifestyle of prayer at our in our house we pray before we go to bed. We pray when we rise up. When we, this is a lifestyle. Sometimes I'll just be sitting at the table and I'll be like, God, thank you so much. Daddy, what are you doing? I'm just praying. Oh, okay. It's not a big deal. It's not out of the ordinary. She's like, what are you doing talking that crazy language? You know, it's just, it's normal. So in your house, is it a lifestyle of prayer? Okay. Um, so many young people today and even adults do not know how to be a true man or a true woman okay because they maybe didn't grow up with a father or grow up with a mother to show them what they were truly made to be and i, I believe you can you can see on the news you see on social media that um we live in a, a identity crisis society when you believe um the only way that we're going to be able to know and walk in our calling and who we are supposed to be is by seeking the presence of God in our lives on a daily basis. In Ephesians 6:18 it says pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Luke 18:1, then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. First Chronicles 16:11, search the Lord and for his strength continually seek him. So, my next point is prayer brings heaven to earth. Prayer brings heaven to earth. Heaven has all authority, right? We talked about that earlier. But if we never bring it down to earth, we can never operate in it. So Matthew six ten, it says, May your kingdom come. This is Jesus speaking. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, bring your holiness. Bring your authority that you have up in heaven and let it reign over Satan and his enemies on this planet earth. In Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, it says Jesus came and told his disciples, "I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth." So prayer is often the means in which we hear God's voice personally. The other morning, I could actually sleep in a little bit, you know, because uh, I had a day where I was going in a little bit late. But uh, I forgot to set like uh, I set my alarm for five o'clock. Sometimes, and this time I can. I, can, I was just like, you know, I'm going to sleep in a little bit. I forgot. I left my alarm on, and so it woke me up at five o'clock, and I was like, ugh. So I go over, and Lindy actually heard me go, ugh. <laughs> so I hit it off, and as soon as I hit the, the alarm off, this this song, this spiritual song, started rising up inside me as a worship song. Can't remember what it was, but it was a worship song, and it was just, it, and I just kept going and going. I don't know if you guys ever do that. Like, you wake up with a song in your heart, and that was the Holy Spirit saying, I want to spend time with you. will not you come? Just don't worry about sleeping in. Come downstairs. Come and hang out with me. I want to impart something to you. And, you know, I didn't fight it. I was like, okay. Got my shower. Got got my coffee. Went on, went downstairs. Had an amazing time with God. But if I didn't have a lifestyle of prayer, I would have never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. There would have been no song in my heart that rose up to wake me up. Okay? So we have to have a lifestyle of prayer uh, in order to walk in the authority of Christ. Now, this uh, this next one is this pretty big one fear fear now, uh josh actually spoke on that he kind of redid the second verse to that and i was like That's exactly what i'm ministering on it was it was so cool so one of the most popular tactics the enemy uses against believers to get them away from the their god given authority is fear Now, fear is the polar opposite of what faith is now pastor's been talking about faith and living in faith all right but this is completely opposite of faith uh Fear is actually false faith. It's putting faith in the enemy's lies instead of the father. Okay? There is a certain type of faith because there's believing in something that really isn't there. It's false evidence appearing real. Okay? So we're putting our faith in something that really isn't going to happen, but we're so afraid it's going to happen. You hear what I'm saying? And it can paralyze you. It, it it keeps you from moving in, in what you're called to be. And God saying, Hey, move out in me. I'm afraid of what I'm afraid of what might happen if I fail. All of us are afraid of what all of us are afraid of looking stupid. I think the main thing that keeps us behind in walking in the authority of Christ, maybe praying over the sick, is we don't want to look stupid. I think that's what paralyzes us. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to be made fun of. Okay? Um, fear. Let's see. We don't have to go searching for fear. It somehow finds us with no problem. It's on a silver platter right in front of us, right in our hands, on the TV, in relationships that we have in our daily life. Some some of the relationships we don't need. We don't need to have in our life, and they're speaking fear into our life. Oh, the tombs, the world's ending, and da. you da, know da, all this stuff. So it has the potential to totally strip us of all the authority we have in Christ and to paralyze us. If the enemy can keep you immobile with fear, he can conquer you and he doesn't have to worry about you destroying any part of his kingdom, his little kingdom, okay? When or if, because guess what? We're going to be attacked with fear. How many guys have been attacked with fear? Maybe today, maybe this week. All of us go through fears. Sometimes we're afraid of ourselves, but when or if we're attacked with fear, we have the hope that we have someone we can trust. Let's go to Psalms 56.3. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. The atheist doesn't have that hope. They put their hope in, I don't know, the Big Bang. We have our hope in the Father. In Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Some translations say, I will personally go ahead of you. In Numbers, it says, I will personally, myself, will go ahead of you and make, make a path for you. Isn't that amazing that our God, the creator of us, wants to make a pathway, not just send somebody, but he personally wants to do that for us. That's, man, that's some amazing love. Uh, self-pity is a form of fear. Self-pity is demonic. Quote from Pastor Mitch. He, he spoke that a couple of weeks ago. I was like, that is so True some of us we live in fear we live in self-pity we love to lick our wounds and to stay in fear and the enemy would love for us as believers to wallow in self-pity and fear and keep us in that little bubble of fear so that we will not be effective to some fear is the only home they've ever known you've lived in fear your whole life and the step out of fear is actually uncomfortable even though it torments you you're like man i've never dealt without fear i've never dealt without anxiety how would that be I'm, i'm telling you i live i've I have youth that have opened up to me and they said they they were set free from fear and they opened up to me and cried and said I miss being afraid and I'm like what what is wrong with you why would you want to go back because it's been home for so long and so some of us we've been living in fear so long that living without it. it's almost like living without a pet okay um Residing in the the false home of fear can totally paralyze a believer from walking in the full authority they were meant to walk in. Fear can actually make you afraid of being close to God as well because of what he may ask of you or what you might have to give up, okay? Um, Satan can instill an unbiblical fear of God even with the thoughts that he is angry with you and he wants nothing to do with you. Some of us we've been hearing those thoughts maybe today. Okay? We're we're we know what we've done and we're afraid like God God knows my sin. God wants to have nothing to do with me. I want to tell you that God is absolutely crazy in love with you. He wants you to be fearless and he wants you to be close to him. He doesn't have this big old hammer ready to squash you. He's ready to receive you, and he's ready to love you. But you have to humble yourself and say, God, I don't want this ungodly fear uh, in between us. I want to I cast out this fear. I want a relationship with you, okay? Because some of us have an unhealthy fear of God. There needs to be a respect for God, but not a fear that I can't approach God because he's gonna squash me. That's a totally unhealthy and satanic way of fearing God. That's a bold way of saying that. So fear is a tactic that distracts you from focusing on the Lord. Isaiah 26, three through four, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always for the Lord God is the eternal, eternal rock. Number six, my last one, is harboring unforgiveness. I would say the trap of unforgiveness is something that continually plagues even the church, even Christians, unbelievers as well. Um, by a raise of a hand, how many of you guys want, want forgiveness for your sins? When you enter heaven, you're like, man, I don't want no sin, right? So all of us want to be forgiven. Luke 6, 37. It says, forgive and you will be forgiven. So we want to be forgiven, but yet we're holding on to years. God is saying, you know what? You want your sins to be forgiven? You got to let go of that past hurt. You got to let go of what that person or that group of people has done to you, okay? Plain and simple, if we're not forgiving others, there's an open portal to sin residing in our life that will block the authority of the believer. The sins that we're committing on a daily basis will not be forgiven if we're not forgiving others, and it will affect us mentally, spiritually, and physically. Okay? If we're holding on to that. Many people do not realize that when we harbor unforgiveness, the mentality is as if we're drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Okay, um, And unforgiveness doesn't ruin the other person. It ruins yourself. Okay, um, And when we harbor unforgiveness, we see life in others through a victim mentality lens. Everyone's out to get us. Okay, I can't trust anyone. That race... Hurt me 10 years ago. all that race is out to get me. That's huge. It's plaguing our society right now. We're holding the sins of other people and other races, and we're, we're bringing them up and saying, I haven't forgiven you, I'm, and you treat every person of that race the same way, because you're holding on to unforgiveness. okay woman washing Jesus' feet in Luke 7:47, I tell you. It's Jesus saying, her sins, and they are many. How many guys have sinned millions of times? I've sinned millions of times. Everyone has great sin, okay? They have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. Think about this. This, this woman who has been forgiven a multitude of sins, and, she, and he says, so she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows little love. All of us have been shown great forgiveness. We should be showing great love in return. Amen. Unforgiveness is a form of pride that says, I'm better than that person. I make no mistakes. My mistakes aren't as big as their mistakes. They should be punished for their sins, not me. So unforgiveness is also a form of pride because it does not submit to God's way of doing things. Whence he shows through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' purpose was to die so that we can be forgiven. This goes back to not wanting to submit to God's authority and his kingdom way of living. Who are we to walk in unforgiveness when we ourselves were pardoned of millions, billions of sins, okay? So let's review. Number one, sin, unforgiveness. That's that's something that God can, can unclog. Pride, number two, ignorance, not memorizing scripture, not having a lifestyle of prayer, Number f- five fear, Number six, harboring unforgiveness. All right, so you're like, man, I got all these things, and like, what do I do with this? so let's let's talk about some action points. what you can do from this from this point on. If there's an area in your life where you need help, open up to Jesus about it first, and then open up to somebody that you know, like a spiritual leader or someone. That you're close to that you know is heading in the direction where you want to spiritually. Opening up is it, it can heal you in ways that you can't even explain. Okay, number two is seek a spiritual mentor. If you don't have a spiritual mentor, you're gonna you're gonna not survive. Okay, Satan's gonna eat you to pieces. Man, I have multiple multiple uh, mentors in my life. Pastor Mitch is one of them. Mira is one of them. My wife is one of them. My mama is one of them. My in-laws there there's some of my mentors people that have been where you want to be and have gone and succeeded that's who you need you need in your life and people that tell you the truth when you don't need to that when you don't want to hear it that's who you need to have it you don't need yes men because yes men will send people somewhere where you don't want to go okay somebody's going to tell you where your blind sides are okay And uh, last is uh, search for scriptures that deal with areas that you're struggling in and memorize them, okay? Uh, I I was talking first service about, we, as a youth ministry, went to this uh, conference and the first night, there's 5,000 people in this huge room and the speaker says, I want you, as youth pastors, I'm speaking to all the youth pastors. He says, I want you to stand up. He says, I want you to think about however many scriptures Uh, How about how many, however many years you have as being a Christian? I want you to have a scripture memorized for every year that you've been a Christian, and I want you to recite it to all of us. One youth pastor stood up out of thousands, and I was like, "Bro, I'm not standing up because you know I've been I've been memorizing scripture, but to have it right off the cuff, that's you know, and it actually encouraged me." So when I came back, one of my main goals was to start memorizing scripture and have it in my arsenal of weapon whenever the enemy comes at temptation. When he comes at you with temptation, you've got that weapon. It is written, Satan, get thee behind me. It is written, I will not fear. Okay? You guys get something out of this? All right? Awesome. Okay.